haven't met me. My name's Rich. I'm one of the leaders of the church here. Um, and I'd like particularly really to welcome you if you're here to see one of your friends or a relative get baptised this morning. Um, I mean, basically, it's going to be really straightforward. We're going to take him over to that box full of water and we're going to push him underneath and we're going to bring him back up again. So now you know everything that's going to happen, really. You're, you're pretty much clued up, to be honest. You don't see it every day, um, you know, I have to say. Uh, at least I don't. Um, but what really is going on? I was a school teacher for 10 years. I taught maths at secondary school. And I remember there was one morning, uh, Monday morning in the staff room, and it was the usual kind of, how was your weekend? And my friend Frank, was, um, he'd had an interesting weekend. He'd been to see his adult son's girlfriend get baptised uh, over the weekend. And he was quite troubled about it. And, he, and it was like, how's your weekend, Frank? I've had a funny weekend, a very, very strange weekend. He said, I went to... I went to one of those funny churches that, you know, that they're all a bit wacky and a bit odd and they baptise people when they're grown up. That. And I thought I'd better cut in and I said, well, careful, Frank, you know, sounds a little bit like my church. <laughs> no, 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 he said, no, 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 it's one of those crazy ones with all the hands and the hallelujahs and everything. It's like, oh, yeah, it's still pretty much like us, Frank, but uh, don't let it trouble you. The, the, the big shame, really, is that having seen this and been to this um, baptism, Frank still actually had no idea what had gone on, or what it was all about, really. So, really, I would like to take the role of telling you what is going on and what it's all about, so that hopefully on Monday morning, when someone's saying to you, what did you do at the weekend, you're not going, you wouldn't believe what I did at the weekend. Um, Maybe we can get there. You might be um, sitting here with all sorts of feelings. If you're seeing someone uh, that you love getting baptised, some of you are probably a little bit unsure, to be fair. There's a little, you know, what exactly is this all about? You may be having a little... Why are they doing this? I don't, I don't understand why they would want to do this. Your baseline assumption was, I thought you guys were normal. What's going on? What, has something crazy happened? You may be actually even worse than that. You may be a little bit worried or even concerned. You might be sitting here thinking, I'm really worried. They've gone religious. I thought they were regular. They've gone religious. What's happened? You may be thinking, what is all the God nonsense that they keep banging on about? You may be actually really concerned. What are they getting into? I'm, I'm concerned this isn't going to be healthy or good for them. Or you may just draw the conclusion, it's just odd. And it is a little bit odd, really. Have you ever taken a bath fully clothed in public before? <laughs> Don't answer it if you have. <laughs> Probably some wacky student thing you did, wasn't it, or something. But actually, getting baptised, which is one of the, what we're going to do this morning, is a really important part of being a Christian. I've got to nail it down right at the start, though, so that you do know exactly what's going on. Being baptised this morning is not going to make these guys Christians. That's not going to be what's happening. They're getting baptised because they already have become Christians. It's a recognition of something that's already taken place. It's like we're celebrating the event after it's happened. They become Christians, we're going to celebrate it by baptising them. It's like when a film gets an Oscar, yeah? You get the Oscar. Getting the Oscar doesn't make the film suddenly good, does it? It's a recognition that, hey, this film really was good. Just check we're awake. What was the best picture this year, anybody? Anybody? Avatar. You'd think that, wouldn't you? No, it wasn't. Anybody know the real best picture this year? The Hurt Locker. Well done, Leanne. About an army bomb disposal unit in Baghdad. I know what it's about because I took my wife to see it on our wedding anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) Romance. (laughs) 
I had no choice. It was that or a rom-com. So it was, it was the Hurt Locker. It was simple as that. Um, and that one, best picture. Um, it was all right. It was all right. It was all right. However, back to the guys getting baptised, we're not baptising them as a kind of an Oscar reward for goodness. We're not baptising these people to say, well done, you've been good enough. Let's give you an award for being good. Actually, that's not what it's about at all. Becoming a Christian is just not about being good enough because we're never going to be able to do it on our own. Actually, becoming a Christian, a large part of it is saying, I'm not good enough. Becoming a Christian involves saying, actually, do you know what? I'm inadequate. I've failed. I've blown it. My moral obligations towards God and my fellow man, I have not fulfilled. Not even close. And a Christian is someone who stares himself in the eye, recognises they've failed, and then says, please, help me, Jesus. Jesus, I need your help to deal with this, because actually none of us are good enough. A Christian is someone who is a failure. A Christian is the moral equivalent of someone from Alcoholics Anonymous. They're not someone who says, doing things wrong, I've never done anything wrong, like the kind of moral teetotalers. A Christian is someone who's like a, who says, actually, spiritually, I've got a sin problem, and I really need help dealing with it. I can't deal with it on my own. Jesus, please help me with it. You don't become a Christian, though, by being religious. You don't join a religion. You don't become a Christian by picking up a new philosophy, a new outlook on the world. You don't become a Christian by suddenly trying to be moral and live a different life. You certainly don't become a Christian by behaving yourself or being nice, and definitely not by being baptised. A Christian is someone who has reconnected with God through Jesus. Who now has a connection, a relationship with the real God. The God who is there, whether or not you believe in him. The God who really exists. And a Christian is someone who is connected with him through Jesus. So really what we're talking about this morning is all about Jesus. If I've got to explain to you why we're baptising these guys who've become Christians, I need to explain to you all about Jesus and who he was. Jesus we know was a real person. We know Jesus lived about 2,000 years ago in the land uh, currently occupied by the Israelis and the Palestinians. We know that Jesus was executed in his early 30s by the authorities by being nailed onto a large wooden cross and he died. But who was he? What does that make him? Who do you think Jesus was? Was he a visionary? A philosopher? A social reformer? Was he even a prophet? Was he just a good guy who was in the wrong place at the wrong time? Who was he? Jesus' claim is this. Jesus claimed that he was God's son on a rescue mission to earth. It's a big claim, isn't it? It's a huge claim. But if we're going to be serious this morning, we've got to ask ourselves, who was Jesus? And actually, these questions are vital because they allow us to decide what's going on this morning. Was Jesus the Son of God or was he not? Only one of those two options is true. Did Jesus really die by being crucified in our place to pay for our sins or not? Did Jesus, as Christians believe and the Bible claims, rise from the dead three days later? Or did he not? And the reason it's important we ask these questions is the whole of the Christian faith stands or falls on is this true? 
You see, unlike every other major uh, kind of world belief and spirituality, Christianity is self-consciously rooted in historical events and facts. It's not a philosophy. If I come to you and say, I've got a, I've got a few ideas about how the world works... Well, we can debate them and think about them, but there's no way of really finding out if it's true or not. If I say to you, I've got some beliefs, well, great. If I come to you and say, I've got some ideals that might work for us, well, we can debate them. Jesus comes to us with facts and says, I'm the Son of God. I died for your sins. I rose from the dead. And the reason that this is so important, particularly if you're sitting there thinking, what is all this? is because those are historical events that either did or did not happen. And if you want to find out about what is this Christianity that these guys that I knew and thought were normal are getting into, you can investigate. Because they're based on historical events, you can look at the evidence, you can scrutinise, you can probe, you can dig deeper, you can question, you can challenge. If it's ideals, or a theory, or a philosophy, well... How do we work anything out? But we can ask questions. Did Jesus rise from the dead or not? Was he who he said he was or not? And actually, all the guys getting baptised this morning, at one time or another, have been on our Alpha course. The Alpha course is a superb way to investigate the claims of Jesus. To look at the evidence for who he was and whether or not he rose from the dead. And actually... There's far more evidence than most people think. Most people, well, on, on first kind of encountering this kind of Jesus, what's going on here? Well, isn't that a, kind of a myth or a fairy story in the past? And, you know, some probably guy and it all got blown out of proportion. Actually, it's one of those things. I challenge you, dig a little bit deeper, look a little bit closer, and I guarantee you will be surprised at actually how much evidence there is backing up these extraordinary claims. Our Alpha course is a really good, relaxed way of doing it. It's a, it's a worldwide course that Christians everywhere run that allows you to look at what are the claims of Jesus and what's the evidence for it and how can I investigate it. Our Alpha course runs for eight weeks. It's informal, it's relaxed. We have a meal, there's a talk. We discuss what's going on and we let you decide and make up your own mind on things. Our next Alpha course starts in um, a couple of months' time, September. Our next Alpha course starts. If you're sitting here thinking, I'm a bit concerned about what they've got into, our Alpha course is a great way for you to find out what they've got into. To see, what, what is it that's going on here? If you're sitting here thinking, what is, is, what, I thought they were normal. Alpha is a great way to come on it and find out how actually becoming a Christian makes you more normal than you can possibly imagine. You should have some details in the welcome pack that hopefully you were given when you came here this morning. Um, or if you haven't had that, please feel free, grab someone from the church, grab me or the person you've come with, and ask them about Alpha. Let's get back to Jesus, though. You may be asking the question, all right, maybe Jesus was the Son of God. I'll have to check out the evidence for that. Maybe Jesus did die and rise from the dead. I'd like to see some corroborating facts for that, but maybe that was the case. But if Jesus really is God's kind of rescue SWAT team, come down to earth to do a rescue mission, what difference does it make to my life? And that's a great question. Jesus' claim was this. Jesus' claim was that he alone is what makes life make sense. Jesus claimed that he alone was what makes your life make sense. Jesus said this on one occasion. I have come, speaking of people like you and me, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
Life to the full is what Jesus said he came to deliver. I mean, what does that mean? Is that like a luxurious lifestyle? Life to the full. Are we conjuring up images of jet-setting around the world? Fine food, expensive wines, exotic holidays, dating pop stars or footballers. Is it having a Caribbean villa that we live in and then fly off to our kind of celebrity showbiz parties? Is that life to the full? Is that what Jesus came to bring us? I don't think so. Jesus came to bring us something far richer than that, far deeper than that, far more meaningful than that. Jesus came to help us find out why we're alive and then to connect with that reason for our existence. That's what Jesus means by life to the full. It's like a jigsaw puzzle, like a massive one, 10,000 pieces. Did you see the thing in the news recently about that old boy who did a 10,000 piece? It was a sad story, but it had a happy ending. There was this old fella, and he'd spent, he'd got, he's got himself a 10,000 piece jigsaw puzzle, and he spent five years completing it, which either tells you that he's really bad at jigsaws, or he doesn't have much time. But he'd spent five years completing this 10,000 piece jigsaw. He gets to it, the last piece, he hasn't got it, it's missing. Somewhere over this five-year period, it's gone. He turned his whole house upside down. The only thing you could think of in the end is, I think perhaps the dog's eating it. And it was very sad. And uh, the jigsaw maker, it's got a happy ending, don't worry, put your hankies away. The jigsaw maker said, sorry, we don't make that jigsaw anymore. And shrugged their shoulders. There was a national outcry. I'm surprised you didn't hear about it. (laughs) But in the end, the jigsaw manufacturers, they made him specially... That piece, oh, grown men are sort of weeping slightly. Oh, it's, it's gone good, it's so beautiful. Every one of those 10, he couldn't have just bunged another bit in, every one of those 10,000 pieces only has one place where it really fits, doesn't it? You know, maybe the colours look right, but the, the joins don't work. Maybe the joins look right, but the colour doesn't match. When Jesus is talking about life to the full, he's talking about finding exactly where you fit. And if you like a little piece of this 10,000 piece puzzle and you stick yourself in, even if it's nearly right, it doesn't quite work, does it? You end up pushing really hard or getting a nail file and just trying to take a little bit off the edge. It doesn't work. It's, It's uncomfortable. It's not smooth. It doesn't work in any other place than exactly where it's supposed to go. Jesus talking about life to the full is saying the reason you're uncomfortable, the reason that life just isn't quite working out how you thought it would do is because you haven't found the right place. You haven't found where you fit. Jesus says that we all exist to know God. That's what we exist for. That's the place we fit. That's why we're alive. And yet, the curse of humanity is we try anything and everything else to find our happiness, our meaning, our fulfillment, our purpose, our joy in life other than God. We're like kind of crazy mice in a little cage and we're just running everywhere, up and down the ladders, in the wheel, round and round, doing the sawdust. We're trying to find what's going to make this work, what's going to make life be what I think it should be and we're searching everywhere and we don't see right in front of our eyes. Here's the answer, God, you're supposed to know God. That's why we exist. But we don't get it. We try everything. We try family. That will satisfy me if I just have a lovely family around me. I'll get my meaning from my work, from my relationships, from success, the possessions I own. I'll get it from my appearance, getting myself looking just the way I want to look. 
As you can see by looking at me, that doesn't work for me. You can, you can try it by being good. You can try it by leisure pursuits, getting a nice home. You can try it by watching sport, doing more sport, getting more money. You can try it by having new and better friends or more friends. See how many you can get on Facebook. Oh, I'm popular. I've suddenly got significance. You can try it by getting new or better experiences. I'll try that. I'll do that. If only I could go and do that, that would be great. You never fit. It never finally does it for you, does it? The Bible says that trying to find lasting meaning and happiness in all these things that are not God, it says it's meaningless. Meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. You're never going to get there. It's like being a tin opener in a world with no tins. What's the point? What do I do? Nothing really seems to work. Nothing finally fulfills you. That's why you're always looking to the next thing to make you happy. You've always got something you're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the next holiday. Or when I get into my next relationship, or I get the next promotion, when I have the next baby, when I get the next night out, the next day off, the next weekend away, when I make my next purchase, see the next film, get my next hairstyle, when I have my next meal, when I watch the next episode, then I'll be happy. Here's a question for you. It's not very difficult. Who likes eating? Come on, you liars. <laughs> no, I'm not that bothered. I like eating a lot. I've catalogued a lot of the meals I've eaten on my phone. I've got one of the little cameras. I've got... Um, I just think, you know, it's, it's looking so good, let's take a record of it. I can show you them later if you like. There's some, uh, there's some good ones on there, actually. Um, some real favourites. There's one dating back almost five years. I still remember it just think, oh, superb. But let me ask you this, and this isn't a hands-up question. Have you ever eaten a meal? That was fantastic. Have you ever eaten a meal? That was so good. That was so good. That you said, that's it. I'm finally fully satisfied. I need never eat another meal again. That was so, so, that was it. That's just, that's it, I'm done. Never need to pick up a knife and fork again. No, you haven't. We're kind of built like that doesn't work for us. Jesus said this, and he's not speaking literally, he's speaking spiritually. He says this, I am the bread of life. That's a strange expression. Yes, it is. Jesus is saying, I'm the staple food of your existence. Jesus says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is promising something that will permanently satisfy. Jesus is promising something that will satisfy you forever. It's real life. It's life to the full. It's a connection, a relationship with God that we can only get through Jesus. He's promising that we will never be this spiritually hungry inside again. And yet the implication is without him, as we know from our experience... We are actually spiritually malnourished, if not starving. That's why you're so keen to find the next thing that's going to satisfy, to find something that's going to make life work for you and going to make everything good. You know life should be better than it is. It's like when you buy a pizza, isn't it? And you look on the box and what do you see? Or maybe it's in one of those, like, you know, pizza and chips kind of placky kind of little takeaway places. The pictures always look like the greatest food on earth, don't they? You know, it's, it's this gorgeous, rich, kind of golden crust. 
It's, it's laden down with toppings. You know, there's more meat on there than a Sunday dinner, isn't there? And there's, there's olives and peppers and the colours are vibrant and the cheese is almost just, just flowing off this pizza. It looks so wonderful. And you think, oh, that's going to be the greatest pizza I'm ever going to eat. I'll buy one, please. And you get it out of the box or the takeaway guy gives it to you. What do you get? You get, what's it like? What's this bit? It's like cardboard. Someone sprinkled something green on it. I don't know if that is a pepper or not. There's some little round flat discs. There's three discs of pepperoni on there. And someone sprinkled something vague related to cheese on top. You know, through the cheese, through the pepperoni, through the tomato, you can still see big bare patches of base, can't you? And you just think, that didn't really deliver, did it? Life doesn't seem to deliver often. You know it should be better than it is. It's because you're not connecting with God. It's because you're not life to the full through Jesus. It's like having a fine wine. I mean, really fine wine. Did you see the other day they found the world's oldest bottle of champagne? Yeah? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I'm so jealous. These divers were diving. This was a couple of days ago. They were diving, and they found the wreck of an old ship that was transporting these bottles uh, of champagne. And so they pulled them up to the surface, and, and obviously they wanted to try it. Let's try this champagne. This could be nice. So they tried the champagne and drank it. Hey, it's still drinkable. I wonder how old it is. That's fantastic. So they took the remaining, I think it was like eight bottles or something, and they took them to be analysed. And it turns out these bottles of champagne, of which they drank one on board the ship when they got out from the dive, uh, were produced, they think, in something like 1789, before the French Revolution, and worth something like £65,000 each. (laughs) (laughs) How would you like to drink that? We don't seem to be able to get the contents, the fine wine, out of life. Jesus is effectively twisting it into a bottle that isn't champagne. It's like, a, it's like the corkscrew that somehow enables us to connect with the contents of the bottle. Jesus is the person who allows us to find this God who life makes sense through. His perfect life on earth, his death on the cross, dying in our place instead of us to pay for our sins, his resurrection from the dead, beating sin, beating death, allows us to meet with the God who is really there and who designed you to know him and who is the answer to all your questions. That's what gives us life to the full. Life lived without God, yeah, you're functioning, but it ain't fulfilling like a little old lady with an iPhone. Not that I'm jealous and want one for myself. You know, oh, you've got a lovely iPhone there. Oh, yes, I store all my phone numbers in it so that when I go to the phone box, I know who to call. (laughs) (laughs) So much more convenient than a book. It can do so much more than that. It's, It's functioning, but it's not fulfilling its purpose. Your life is like that. It may be functioning... It's not fulfilling its purpose. Just to know God, to connect with God. You know, you talk her through it. You can make calls from here. You can text from here, email from here, surf the web from here. You can make a noise like a lightsaber from here. And she goes, oh, now I see what it can do. Becoming a Christian is looking at your life and going, oh, now I see what it can do. Now I see what it's for. A Christian is someone who's found this relationship with God. A Christian is someone who's found their place in the puzzle. This is where I fit. This is what makes sense. This is what it's all about. And this life to the full that Jesus promises us goes on forever, goes on beyond death. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will live even though they die. 
It means you enter into a life that exists even beyond the grave with him forever. The response that we make to God through Jesus in this life carries on through eternity. Jesus said uh, this about the people who respond to him. He says they've got eternal life and they'll not be condemned and they have crossed over from death to life. When you become a Christian, your old God-empty life ends and a new God full life begins. Quite literally, you become a new person. Now, you look the same. You know, you, you probably dress the same. You like the same foods. You don't suddenly transfer weirdly into a monk or, or a nun. If, you, if you're worried, that doesn't happen. But you find this is new life. This is not, I've just stuck a bit of religion on the side. This is something so much more than that. It's literally like you're plugged back in. You're alive. Which finally brings us back to the baptism, which is what we're here to talk about. Jesus enables us to have this life to the full now and beyond death. And one of the first things you do when you've become a Christian, you become a Christian quite simply by saying, I'm going to accept what Jesus has done for me. I'm going to commit my life to him. And you become this new person. One of the first things you do when becoming a Christian is get baptised. And baptism is like a visual aid. It's an acted out picture of what has happened spiritually inside of you. And there's kind of two aspects to it. The first one is it's a picture of being washed clean. I mean, that's why we use water. Washed. All the rubbish that you've done in your life. All the ways that you've failed, that you've not done what you should have done and you've done things that you shouldn't. All the things that, even though you say, well, I'm alright, I'm no worse than the next person. You know that if the next person could look inside your mind and see some of the things you've thought, said and done, maybe even are thinking now, you suddenly wouldn't feel so confident. We've all messed it up before God. And in becoming a Christian, it's all washed away and forgiven through Jesus. That's why we do it in water. It's a picture of being washed. But the other thing baptism is a picture of is this old God-empty life dying and a new God-full life rising. That's why when we get in the tank... We kind of push them back like that. It's like lying them down into the grave, raising them up, a new life. It's a picture of what's going on inside. These things have already happened. The people we're going to baptize have already committed their lives to Jesus and become Christians. Becoming a Christian is saying, I'm going to turn away from sin, from living life my way, from making my moral decisions, from actually rejecting or displacing or replacing God with all these other things that we look for our satisfaction. I'm going to say, I'm going to put God in the right place. And it's turning to Jesus to worship him, to follow him, to obey him, to trust him. And you get your Oscar, not because you've been good enough, because he's been good enough on your behalf. He does it for you. Becoming a Christian is not joining a religion. Becoming a Christian is finding this real life to the full that Jesus promises. It's what you're here for. And the baptisms are quite simply publicly identifying with Jesus and saying, Jesus is what I'm all about now. That's what we're going to do, and that's what it means. And please, if you're going to do a frank on me, and go back on Monday morning and go, I still don't know what that was about. Grab me at the end, and I'll try again and talk you through it. Because I want you to know what's going on here, and I want it to make sense for you. I think this would probably be a good time to hear from the guys who are going to get baptised, yeah? Okay, if you're getting baptised, can you come up now? I know a couple of them have just left the room, so someone find them. Up you come, guys. Up you come.
Let's clap on him. There we go. Come back in here.